Hello, everybody, and welcome into this edition of the Sports Detective Podcast. I'm your host, James Williams, and today I talk to Ryan Bunnell, who is the managing editor of the Frogs of War, a fan site dedicated to TCU athletics. He also hosts a few TCU podcasts for that site. We talk about the biggest commitment maybe of my lifetime in college football. Arch Manning commits to Texas, class of 2023. We talk about the impact of that. Is Texas back? Then we obviously talk about TCU. We talk about Gary Patterson. Why did he step down as the head coach last year? What's next for him? Will he be a head coach again? Then we look forward to the Sunny Dykes era at TCU. Go through the schedule next season. We talk about a lot of Big 12 stuff. We go off topic a little bit in this podcast, and then obviously we have a little bit of rapid fire at the end. It's a good... Good conversation, one of the better podcasts we've had in a while, I would say, in my opinion. Talk to Ryan for about 40 minutes. Before we get into that interview, though, I guess we watched, I watched the NBA draft a little bit last night before we started recording, and I just have a few thoughts on it. One thing is, and I'm not going to talk about any analysis of it, I'm just going to talk about the broadcast of it, the fact that because we, I basically watched like the first 12 picks, then we recorded the podcast, and then I came back in sometime at the 20s. And if you're creating a TV product and you're a... I don't think the NBA is concerned about losing people, but I think a thing that makes sports great and drives TV numbers is getting in the casuals. It's late June now. There's no sports on unless you care about baseball or hockey. And this is kind of like your night to shine. First off, you have two broadcasts. I was watching the ESPN broadcast with Malika Andrews, Kendrick Perkins, Jay Billis. Bless their hearts. Those people had no chemistry. They had no chemistry whatsoever. Uh, Perkins, I love Perkins. I don't know if he's the best guy to do a draft analysis. So that was always kind of weird. And then you turn on, I turned on the ESPN broadcast after, after we were done recording which had Jalen Rose, uh, Stephen A. Smith, Kevin Nagandi, and uh, Chine Agumike. And Stephen A. Smith was just like, it was 14 picks after the Knicks originally had their first draft pick. And Stephen A. Smith was just super mad that the Knicks were not drafting anybody. So that was kind of weird too. But the bigger picture thing of creating a better TV product is... You never know, with, with so many trades that happen, you never know who's actually going to which team. And the commissioner basically came up and was trying to announce it, and then in the second round a little bit, the deputy commissioner, Mark Tatum, was also trying to kind of announce it. But why can't we, and I understand, so the reason why is because per the CBA, the collective bargaining agreement that the owners and the Players Association has, basically, the draft selection isn't completely finalized until after the draft. So technically when they go up and if it's like the Oklahoma city thunder who traded for the pick and, but it was originally the Minnesota Timberwolves pick, it's not like official. So you end up having guys that are like so confused and they're doing interviews talking about how they're going to play on the Memphis Grizzlies, even though they're actually going to go play on the Denver nuggets or something. It's really stupid. And we don't have this problem in the NFL draft. 
Like we, we there was a bunch of trades in the NFL draft this year, and they were just like, yeah, we just finalized it, and it's all good to go. And it's really simple if they just like, like cross a few, you know, just do a few contract shenanigans, and nothing's gonna change if they just literally go in and change the contracts stuff to where when you're drafted, you're drafted. So that literally just so it's a better TV product because you just look foolish and you look stupid and you look honestly to a degree a little bit organized as a league when I don't know a quarter of the players that are drafted are walking up grabbing the hat of a team that they're not even going to play for. It's really just kind of dumb to me and I don't know I just wanted to say that first before we get into the interview because uh, it bothered me and it's a thing that's been happening for years and they haven't done anything about it. It's really stupid, but anyway, a lot of good suits. I was thinking with suits and all the players that are wearing suits, if, because all of them, all of those suits are like super unique. No one's wearing just like a generic suit or tux or whatever. Has there ever been a time where two guys just show up with the same suit and it's just kind of like a that Spider-Man meme where all the Spider-Mans are pointing at each other. But something I thought of, I actually think the suits are really good now because all these guys can like afford like tailors and stuff and they're all tailored to them. And they're obviously all athletic men. So all the suits I thought looked pretty good for the most part. But yeah, those are just a few thoughts I had on the draft, but I won't bore you anymore. We have a really good conversation with Ryan coming up. So Without any further ado, here is our interview with Ryan Bunnell. All right, it's 8.40 Central Standard Time. Joining us is Ryan Bunnell, Frogs of War podcaster, managing editor for the fan site over there. Uh, just got done watching the NBA lottery a little bit, but who cares? Boring. We have college football to talk about. Yes, sir. Uh, big, maybe the biggest commitment, I don't know, few years, maybe ever happened today. Arch Manning, nephew of Eli and Peyton, heard of those guys. One of them yeah, just in the Hall of Fame. Once or twice, you know, once or twice. Yeah, yeah, they've, they, they've done a few good things in their careers. <laughs> good, really good telecasts they have on Monday Night Football. Uh but Arch shocks the world, commits to the University of Texas. Uh, Ryan, the big question everyone's asking now, is Texas back? All right, so here's my thing. And obviously I have I have a little bit of a bias as a TCU guy, uh, you know, who's been kind of one of the small rivals of UT for the last decade since we've rejoined the Big 12. Um, I'm not going to say Texas is back. Like, yes, this is something great for them. You know, obviously – like you said, it's probably the biggest recruit in a long, long time. I mean, you know, you think of the only other compatible one off the top of my head would be Trevor Lawrence or Quinn Ewers, which is literally already at UT. So it's a little bit frustrating almost to see them get both of those like top caliber upper echelon guys. Uh, I don't want to say they're back quite yet because over the past decade or so, they've had a history of getting five star talent and not doing much with it you know, and not even making a bowl game with it. So obviously Arch Manning is probably different than your average Joe five-star recruit, but 
I don't think this is like the end all be all like, oh my God, Texas is back. Everybody, we need to freak out now. It's a good thing for them, but not the end of the world for everybody else. I was reading a little bit about it uh, this afternoon after it happened. I think kind of like the linchpin for it was that is uh, like a tight end that he played high school with committed to Texas earlier, like last week or something. And that was kind of like a big thing about it. I mean, they're back in the headlines, Texas is. I don't know if they're officially mm-hmm. back, but it'll be interesting to see. I don't know what to expect out of Texas this year. Like, part of me, because the weird thing is, like, now they have Sark, and it's like last year, they started out, like, really hot, and they had that loss to Arkansas, whatever. But, like, they had the game against Tech, where they scored, like, 70 points or whatever. Yeah, and they would squad that it. game. And you were like, uh... <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it was kind of weird, because, like, I didn't think that, like, Sark was, like, the best hire or whatever. It wasn't like I wasn't shaking in my boots as a Big 12 fan. Uh, I don't know. Are they even... I guess maybe they're heading in the right direction now with this. Maybe other commitments follow, but I don't know. What I saw on the field last year, I'm not sure, though. Yeah, I feel kind of the same way that like Sark wasn't this, oh my God, I'm so scared of UT now type of hire, but I don't think it was a bad hire at all. Um, and I do think that if Sark gets time, that he'll lead them in the right direction. But, but the thing is, they're also in such an awkward transition period right now, because even if they were to kind of build back up to be in like the elite, like the top three of the big 12, where they're kind of used to be historically, they're leaving. You know, they're going right to the SEC. So, and they're going to kind of have to start from square one. Um, not exactly. I mean, obviously they're still going to have their Texas recruiting pipeline and everything, but, you know, new league, new you, it's going to be totally different. Even if you have that, that same head coach with Sarkeesian, but I don't know, it's tough to say exactly. I would like to think that UT's not back, but I will say they're going to make a bowl game next year. I, I think they'll make a bowl game because I mean, five and seven, that's, that's disappointing by anybody's standards, especially whenever, your preseason top 25 team, you know? Are we sure they're going to make a bowl game? I'm not. I'm not. I just, I kind of want to have like, I don't want to be too much biased. I have like too much hatred for the Longhorns. So I got to give some credit because they do have pieces. They have a, a good program in terms of like from their athletic director. I think Sarkeesian overall is a good coach, but they just haven't got it done. That's the thing, you know, like that's why it's so hard because if you were just to do the eye test and look at their players, their talent, they should be one of the top 25 teams in the country, but they just don't get it done. That's always a thing that I've thought with like Texas. Cause I'll, I'll speak from like, uh, like TCU, obviously we'll get to them later or in a little bit. They always had like good teams and stuff, but as Iowa state, like we'd always, like I've been going to games uh, in Ames since like 2005 mm-hmm. and you'd see like Texas, Oklahoma, all the Texas schools, the Kansas schools, uh, Missouri, Nebraska, when they're in the conference, uh, A&M. I remember like going to some of those A&M games. I don't know why, but the A&M, like their punters would go out and their punters would just punt. Spirals. It was really weird. <laughs> That's just something I remember, but the Texas players were always the biggest. And those were always the ones where it's like, they're always going to push us around. And the weird thing last year was that the game in Ames, like Iowa State, you know, knocked Texas around. It was amazing. So it's just going to be kind of interesting if like looking at them this season to see if like they're headed in the right direction. Because they, I was looking through their schedule last year a little bit 
and they actually like, lost a lot of like close games. Like th- the game they lost in Ames was actually their biggest loss. Like they were close against uh, Oklahoma. Uh, they were close against Oklahoma State too, I think. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of like a thing too in the Herman area. Like they, the, the Tom Herman's last year, every they only lost three games. All those three games were like lost in the last seconds. Yeah. So like they, they've had the talent to like compete, and they probably could have make some noise if they got there, but they just can't like do the little things. I was just looking at their schedule on my phone. Do you know Texas plays Alabama this year? I yeah, I'm excited for that. I'm very much looking forward to it. If they win that game, they're back. Okay, I, I will agree. If they win that game, I'll shut up about everything. I will stop tweeting jokes about UT, won't make fun of them. They beat Alabama. They beat Alabama, but I, I don't see that happening. I would bet a lot of coin on that. Dream result would be they beat Alabama and then they lose to Kansas again. <laughs> I'm okay with that too, honestly. That would be even more of a meme than them losing to Kansas. It would because then people would turn it on the internet. They'd be like, well, Kansas beat Texas, Texas beat Alabama. Therefore, Kansas is better than Alabama. Kansas is going to the playoff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Put them in. Give them a chance, committee. <laughs> uh, that's enough of Texas. We gave them like six minutes of content. They're fine. <laughs> they're freaking. They got out. enough. Yeah, they're big enough. They got enough. They're freaking out now. Uh, <laughs> let's transition to TCU. So, obviously, probably one of the bigger moments in the program history happened last season. Gary Patterson kind of stepped down after what 21 22 seasons as a 21 seasons that's a long time man it's a long long time time. head coach he's the longest tenured head coach at the time uh what do you think was like the main reason he stepped out as coach because going into last season that team was almost like you read the reports of them going into the season they were like a dark horse to potentially win the conference so Mm -hmm. Why did he step down? Uh, what 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 happened to that situation? Well, I think a big part of it is, like you said, we were kind of we weren't necessarily a favorite by any means, but we had those slight expectations of like you know we're returning a lot of guys, we have the experience and everything. Yeah. What was that? You're like third or fourth in the conference, kind of. Yeah, yeah. So like, not too shabby. And I think a big reason is because we just kind of crap the bed you know like we didn't play well we we didn't live up to any of those expectations and in terms of him stepping down I think that's truly because he was inspired and the university has too much respect for Gary Patterson to fire him in the middle of the season so they kind of gave him the opportunity to step down on his own terms I at least that's not a hundred percent they're hundred percent like confirmed they never announced that but like that's just the thing that would make the most sense to me. I really don't think the university would fire him like that. But it does seem like the water's a little bit rocky there between like him and the university. It didn't, it doesn't seem like it ended that well. Yeah, you're right. I, I do think there might be some slight animosity, just especially with the fact that now he's a university of Texas special assistant to the head coach. Uh, so yeah, that was the weirdest thing ever seeing him in a burnt orange polo. I, it's still just burnt into my memory. I'll never forget that. But seeing that first him doing the longhorns up on Twitter, disgusting. But yeah, well, it was because once he got the job, you know, he was recruiting. And one of our players, O'Shawn Mathis, who was stud defensive end, was in the transfer portal and was, you know, visiting UT. So they took a picture together doing this. And just Horn Frog fans everywhere just throwing up, just vomiting. It was disgusting. 
That's almost as like cringy as the Brian Kelly TikToks. Oh my God. I don't know if anything will top the Brian Kelly TikToks, but I know exactly what you talked about the spinning circle and a dance and everything. I wonder it's- if like that's actually like successful and LSU like <laughs> just like starts like just, just starts crushing it under Kelly. If like we're just going to see a bunch of other coaches start doing that. See, I know like weird recruiting tactics work, but I don't know if I was a four or five star athlete and my potential future coach was like, Hey, hop in this 360 camera. We're going to do a TikTok dance. I'd be like, I- I'm good. We can take a picture with the football, you know, like, and I'm good. That's all I need. I don't need to do all that, but Hey, if it works, it works. So how do the fans feel that uh, Patterson's gone? Is it kind of like, all right, like it's time to move forward or like, is it like, kind of felt like he got the short end of the stick honestly i'd say the fan base was pretty split um so like you said patterson has been the coach for 21 years quite literally my entire life like he became coach a few months after i was born and all i have known as a tcu fan is gary patterson era so i I, i'd say half the people wanted him gone when it was time like half the people were kind of like look this isn't working anymore Gary's being too stubborn. He's not adjusting to the NIL era, not adjusting to the transfer portal, you know, how it's gotten so much more popular. Uh, And that's true. I mean, he was being pretty stubborn with his tactics and his ways and everything. But I'd say the other half, which I was pretty torn because, you know, for somebody who all I know is Gary Patterson, I was like, guys, I don't care if we're having a bad season. This man has done everything for the program. Like we would not be here we would not even be able to have a bad season in the big 12 if Gary Patterson wasn't our head coach for the past two decades. So it was like partially torn because it's almost like that, that loyalty towards Patterson. You just feel so devoted because of all the great memories you have with him. But then also you want to look ahead to the future. And in the modern game of college football, some of the things Patterson was doing just wasn't keeping up. And you saw that by getting beat up on by new guys like Lincoln Riley, those new age tactics. So I think I'd say the fan base was probably split half were like ready to get him out, ready for a change. The other half never wanted to let go. You know, they just wanted to hold on to the memories. It's going to be interesting to see, not just with like your situation that you said there, but like what you're saying with Patterson about like maybe having a little bit uh, begrudgingly trying to like adapt to like the way that college football is going. I'm just like, I'm really interested to see over the next few years of like how, how some coaches maybe, I think it's going to be more at like those really high kind of levels, Mm -hmm. like where it's that, like, like there's a reason Lincoln Riley left to go to USC is because the SEC recruiting that, but (laughs) but he could have gotten money at Oklahoma. You're right. Yeah. They would have paid him a lot. Yeah. Yeah. But like that SEC recruiting is vicious. Right now that like cheating's just out front, like, like, I don't know, like Matt Campbell at Iowa state's going to be like competing like heavily to like get like super, you know, intense guys. And it's going to come down to money at times. Like maybe it will in some cases, but it's not going to be all of it. Yeah. I think it's just gonna be really like, like a few people I'm watching this year. If if Clemson has another like bad year or questionable year, I should say like, like that, the Dabo train might be done. It's just something I'm watching out for. I'm, I'm not really sure. It's just something I'm going to be looking out for. Some of the older coaches. 
No, I, I think that's an interesting point. Yeah, I, I agree, especially with Clemson is an interesting situation. I, I think I still have faith in the Dabo era. Um, I don't think it's quite over just yet, even though they had one partially off year. But I mean, you're right, though, that SEC recruiting, it, it's vicious. I know people, whenever Lincoln left, people were joking like, oh, he's scared to go play the SEC schedule. But I don't know if it was necessarily like he didn't want to play the opponents, but it's a completely different game, like completely different game in that conference. And, you know, if you can get paid 100 and what was it like $118 million to go live in a mansion in L.A., why not? You know, like and you're also coaching one of the most storied programs in college football with the opportunity to bring them back to glory. Like it, it just makes sense for him. And I think it'll also, yeah, just be interesting to see how the recruiting changes all around the country. Cause like with Patterson, I'll never forget how we had like an NIL meeting with every TCU head coach, a bunch of local business owners, that type of thing to kind of, kind of try and get the train moving with NIL. Patterson spent the whole time just complaining about how, look, if you guys don't give us money, our guys are going to leave. Like Zach Evans, he's out the, he's out the door and he did leave. He left immediately. So like, it's just one of those things. The game's changing and who adapts, they're going to come out on top those coaches. So hopefully that'll be Sonny Dykes, you know, fingers crossed. Mm. Yeah. Do you think Patterson will ever be a head coach again? Yes, I do. I, I think my thing was if Patterson was done, he was going to be done. But to see him get another job, and of course, it just has to be with the Longhorns. It's just gross. But the fact that he got another job makes me think he wants to keep coaching for as long as he can. You know, so and I, I, he at least has another decade in him. You know, he's only what, like in his 60s, I think he's not. He too, not, I think. Yeah, not crazy old yet. So. I think he has another decade if he wants to. Um, and I guarantee 90% of college football programs with vacancies would love to have Gary Patterson as their head coach. So if that was to become available in the future. So I wouldn't be surprised, but I'm not like 100% sure that he will be. He'll be the interim Texas coach in, uh, in like week 12. If that happens, I, I don't even know how I'm going to act. I will be very upset with that. <laughs> you and you guys the tcu fans and the texas tech fans are going to be looking at each other like our common bond is texas stealing our coaches yeah exactly yeah honestly we've had some fun with uh, uh like just kind of interacting on twitter like on the frogs war community with the tech fans and the iowa state fans honestly like both of them are really fun the iowa state fans are also just always so nice i feel like mm, midwest thing i guess I guess. Yeah. I was about to say, I don't know. It seems like every interaction is always just wholesome and like fun rather than like, Oh, I hate you type thing. Well, we're not in the big 10. That's a big yeah. thing. Yeah, exactly. Big ten. I think too, it's like our conference, like the big 12 conference, like just because like, we're all kind of like, we're all just kind of happy to be like in a power conference, especially like after everything that happened last year. And I was thinking about this because, like, we were in the same state as Iowa. And Iowa's really our only, like, Iowa State's only, like, true rival. Mm-hmm. At this point, we used to kind of have a rivalry with Kansas State, but we, I guess we don't. It used to be at, like, a neutral location, Iowa State and Kansas State. Um, we used to have a rivalry with Nebraska. They're gone. Yeah. You don't play them anymore. Now, now Iowa and Nebraska are rivals, which is weird, which they actually, like, hate each other a lot, too, which is kind of cool. It's also kind of funny because, like, both teams are – 
both fan bases are just like fed up at the end of the season now when they play each other on the Friday after Thanksgiving. We also were like huge rivalries, uh, rivals with like Missouri too. But like Iowa, on the other hand, they're rivals with Iowa State, Minnesota, Nebraska, Wisconsin. Yeah. Did I mention Illinois? <laughs> the list goes on. Yeah. Like, they have like six rivals. Like, it seems like Iowa State's just kind of like lost the rivals, you know, over the years. They just kind of spread out, basically. Exactly. <laughs> they just they yeah. leave. They well, all... I will say the Iowa State-Iowa rivalry is always a very fun one to watch. Uh, it's has Well, a, is a... I was about to say, maybe not for you guys. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's, that's the one thing Matt Campbell hasn't done yet at Iowa State. He hasn't beat Iowa. Fair. It happens. I mean, they've been the past few years, though, so. 0 and five against Iowa. We'll, we'll get them this year. I I think Iowa State's a pretty good team. It'll be interesting though to see you know how you guys adapt without Brees Hall and Purdy now. I think without I think without Brees Hall is actually just like a good thing. I think our offense was just like <laughs> you made a face, but yeah, I was like, huh? It, it because it just like our offense got like too Brees Hall dependent. And that, that makes sense. We didn't know what to, we didn't have a good offensive line. And then when we, and when the Brees Hall thing didn't work, we didn't know what to do. Yeah. And it was like, it was a really weird stat where like Brock Purdy's sophomore year compared to his junior year, he threw like a hundred more passes his sophomore year than his junior. Yeah. So it's like, which the junior year was the Fiesta Bowl run. But I also think that's a little overrated because like it was the COVID year and then like, you played Oregon, who only played like a few games before. We played like a few teams that like were decimated with COVID, but whatever. Enough with Iowa State. Um, let's let's move forward. Let's look forward to the the Sunny Dykes era at TCU. I think it was maybe I don't want to say it maybe it wasn't like a I don't want to say it was underwhelming, but it wasn't like a big splash higher. Why do you think he'll succeed as the head coach of TCU? What what is he bringing to the table for TCU? So I think you're right that I don't want to call it an underwhelming hire. Like as a fan, I was very happy with uh, the Dykes hire, although I had my little fantasy land dreams of hiring Lane Kiffin for like $10 million a year or getting coach o from lsu hold on i listened to your podcast about that today where you did your unrealistic i, I like i screamed like every time you mentioned a new name oh really <laughs> shock yeah you were like uh lane kiffin first, first <laughs> ended. i was like what <laughs> yeah there's no shot that was happening oh joe no shot. <laughs> yeah i wanted i don't know why i just wanted something i wanted to make a splash and those are the splash guys you know I was like is nick saban next <laughs> hey i mean you never know no but uh i i thought there was no shot we were, we were gonna get them um the other one that really was a possibility was billy napier from louisiana which i would have been very happy with that as well uh but to answer your question though in terms of why i think dykes will be successful just look at what he did with SMU. I mean, although he didn't necessarily win any crazy bowl games or, you know, finish in like the top 10, he took that program from going like one and 11, two and 10 to finishing 10 and two, being in the top 25 at some point in the regular season, you know, uh, actually competing and being able to beat big teams like they beat in TCU the past two years, you know? So 
Dykes built them up. Dykes has been a stud in the transfer portal. SMU's had a few big transfer players. They've also been way, way better at recruiting out of the DFW era area than they have been since he got there. So I think Dykes is going to come in and kind of do all those aspects that we just talked down on Gary Patterson for. He's not going to be stubborn with NIL. He's going to be doing everything he can to work the NIL, get his players set up. He's also going to be doing everything he can to work the transfer portal, bring in new guys because he knows guys are going to leave. That's just part of the game now. So I think he already has great connections in the DFW area, literally coming from just 20 minutes down the road. So that's the biggest thing I'm excited to see. And in terms of, you know, just scheme, I'm excited to see this new modern offense rather than the, oh, let's run a behind the line of scrimmage screen for three yards and then run it up the middle for three plays in a row. You know, I want to see, let's spread the field. Let's get our skilled players in positions to make a big play. Let's, let's put the defense on their toes. So, and that's kind of Dyke's style more so, which is why they had so much success against TCU because we sucked against that. So I'm excited. Is the Southern Methodist TCU rivalry, is that like a real thing? It is very real. The only thing is over the past like 20 or so years, I think they've beaten us three times, three or four times in the last 21 years. So in terms of if it's still alive, TCU owns the rivalry. But all time, of course, they're they're our inner city rival. They're literally 30 minutes away. It's almost kind of we're just rivals by nature. We just have to be. So we've played for a long, long time. I think actually the series is very close to being tied, if not tied all time. 50 to 41 to seven. Yeah. TCU. Yeah. TCU leads. Okay. Yeah. So, cause I mean, historically SMU was way better than us before the year 2000, you know, they were way better. So I think the rivalry is still alive, but it's just kind of, going in TCU's direction, although these past two years have kind of sparked more of a feud. There's definitely some hatred there. I don't know if you one saw. Took their coach. Yeah, exactly. Even more so now. I don't know if you remember seeing, too, last year when they beat us, one of their receivers, uh, Rice, grabbed their flag and planted it in our midfield, and it started like an on-field brawl between the teams. And Did a Baker Mayfield. Basically, yeah, he pulled a Baker Mayfield, so it kind of got ugly. So there's a little bit of animosity going into next year. I'll say I'm very excited for that matchup. I'll have that matchup circled on my calendar. So how patient, this is kind of like a thing that I try and gauge with a lot of like teams and fan bases is, all right, cool. You hire the coach you want. How patient are you going to be with that coach? Like it's amazing to me, like the impatience of teams in the SEC like it's it's spectacular how impatient right, yeah. where last year Dan Mullen is the Florida Gators head coach they play that really close game against Alabama and Florida's like has this like incredible like running game against them and everyone's like oh my god that was like Dan Mullen's best game that he's ever coached was against Alabama and then like four weeks he's unemployed and yeah and I'm listening to SEC podcasts. They'd be like, well, I don't even know if he could be an offensive coordinator in the NFL. And it's like, what? It's like, yeah, like a month and a half ago, this guy was like the Messiah. This guy was going to get an extension. Yeah, exactly. I, it is wild to me. I agree. Um, 
And I think it's a little bit different looking at TCU situation compared to those bigger programs yeah. that kind of expect an SEC championship game almost every year. But with TCU, I think coming off of this long tenured head coach of Patterson, you have to give some time. I think you have to give three full seasons before Dykes can be firmly on the hot seat. And if we don't make a bowl game in this season, that's going to be a disappointment. Like we do it. We do expect him to make us better than we were last year, right off the bat. Um, and I think though, within these next three years, if we're not even competing for a big 12 championship game appearance, you got to look elsewhere, but three full seasons, I think is plenty of time for him to, to instill his style, you know, build his culture at the program. So in three seasons, if he's like seven and five, he's out. Yeah, I, I would totally be down. Yeah, I think you got to move on after that. I mean, if it's three seasons of, you know, barely making a bowl game, not even competing for a title, then you got to think that we had have to head in another direction because then that would kind of bring up a question that nobody wants to think about is, was our program Gary Patterson or was our program TCU football, you know? And I would like to think that they're synonymous like Patterson built up the program and is now leaving it to where it can be great on its own. Uh, but that's just, we'll have to wait and see, you know, because we haven't known anything other than that for so long. That's a great point that you just made too. And I was thinking about that when you said that uh, thing about SMU where it's like at that, like around 2000, that's when the rivalry flipped. Cause there's like an alternate universe where SMU hires like the right coach in the early two thousands and they, they get off onto like a fire streak there and TCU is kind of more muddling, middling in the uh, mountain West or whatever. And SMU I'm, I'm doing the podcast right now with someone that's a SMU podcast instead of you. So that, that... yeah, you never know. Exactly. I mean, it's just one of those things. Definitely. So I was kind of shocked when I looked at the you're you're a gambling guy. Yeah, definitely. I was I was looking at the over unders wins thing. I was kind of shocked that TCU was at six and a half, just because now looking back at it and doing the research I did, I was like, all right, they were supposed to be better last year than they were. Their talent isn't uh whatever they were, five and seven or something. Yeah, I agree with that. We're better than that. Last year. So thinking about that though. Not necessarily sure who the quarterback's going to be this year. First-year head coach. Make the case that this team should make a bowl this year. What what happens? What What's the scenario that they make a bowl? So I personally am a little bit hesitant to, you know, guarantee anything because last year <laughs> I had I was very confident on TCU over seven and a half wins, which clearly didn't hit. So my main reasoning that I think we can reach that – over make a bowl game at least get to seven and five on the year um is that we aren't losing any major pieces other than zach evans and i know that sounds really scary because zach evans is a five-star the literally the best recruit in tcu football history um uh, but kendra miller our other running back who had his fair share of carries last season is no slouch uh, i i honestly don't think there's much of a drop off from evans to miller which sounds crazy to say but if you watch Miller play, the dude's a baller. So um, really our skill positions are staying the same. We're retaining the majority of our defense aside from one big transfer in O'Shawn Mathis, uh, which that will hurt. But 
I think it's going to be exciting because it's going to be a completely new offense that these Big 12 coaches, these teams aren't used to seeing. They're used to that Gary Patterson illustrious 4-2-5 defensive scheme. They're used to those rinky-dink screens and strategic blocking patterns for like a five-yard run. They're used to seeing that all the time. They're not used to seeing the Sunny Dykes kind of fast-paced, let's spread the field, keep the tempo. Like It's going to be different for them, and I think that's a reason we can maybe sneak one or two games, like upsets against bigger teams. But overall, seven wins isn't that crazy to go for. So I think we can get there. It's going to be close. Vegas does a really good job. Like It's going to be tough. So you'd probably have to go at least two and one out of conference. Yeah, for sure. Because mm-hmm. you go at Colorado – Home against Tarleton at SMU. SMU, yeah. And I think we go 3-0 there, honestly. Then home against Oklahoma. I don't Probably know, not. I don't know what to expect against Oklahoma this year. I never do, but I think they're going to be just fine with Venables. On the road against Kansas, probably a loss. Okay, let's calm down now. Let's. You're right, though. We don't play very well in Lawrence for some reason. Hold on, I, I actually think, I think Kansas will make a bowl this year. I think there's a chance, and I know that sounds ridiculous, but I do think there's a chance. It's not ridiculous. They, they were really good down the stretch last year. Yeah, yeah. It's I don't know though. I'll never have. I'm not buying stock in Kansas football ever. I don't know. I'm just gonna let that one go. Then, home against Oklahoma State. Mm. That's gonna be close. Yeah. Home against Kansas State. I'd like to think we should win that. Yeah, we should win that. So that'd put you at five wins at West Virginia. That's always a tough spot. Yeah. Morgantown's tough place to play. Home against Tech, I think that's a win. I agree, yeah. Then on the road against Texas, two road games in a row, Texas-Baylor. I think we get at least one win out of those two. We have their number. We just do. And then Iowa State, TCU at the end. Great way to end the year. Is that one in Ames? It's in, uh, no, it's in TCU. Oh, it's in Fort Worth? Hell yeah. All righty. That makes me feel better about that one because I do not like playing in Ames. It's, it's tough. The weird thing about that, too, is I'm not sure. Who, who do you think the quarterback's going to be this year? I think you got to go with Duggan. Um, I know Chandler Morris, he had that one huge game against Baylor when Duggan was out, you know, in his only start of the season, the dude threw for like 460 yards, put on performance of a lifetime and beat a top 10 team. So literally four days after Gary Patterson got fired. So, or stepped down, I guess, uh, excuse me, but I think you got to go with Duggan though. He's been your guy for the last three years, although he hasn't done anything spectacular. He hasn't done anything to deserve getting benched so i think you just have to hope that uh he'll thrive in this new system with dykes and i think if anybody can help him it it will be dykes because he fits into more of his offensive style he can use his legs he can scramble a lot of the pocket so as can morris but duggan is a better runner i think you have to go with duggan um but personally it's not a popular opinion but i would have no complaints either way a lot of people are pretty gung-ho, like Duggan or Bust, but I honestly have no complaints if Sam Jackson, our third stringer, got the starting gig. 
Hold on. So the uh, okay, I wanted to make sure. So the Iowa State quarterback this year, because uh, Max Duggan's from Western Iowa, mm-hmm. as the I wanted to make sure that he didn't go to the same school as uh, the Iowa State quarterback this year, Hunter Deckers. Oh, that'd be kind of funny. Yeah, yeah, he's also from Western Iowa. The one thing I have reserve reservations on with Hunter Deckers is he's left-handed. Mm-hmm. That's it. That'll be you're right. I mean, it's it's an oddity, but. Hey, you got the greats. You got Tebow. You got Michael Vick. I weirdly think that's a reason that Brock Purdy struggled last year because I think all of our other backup quarterbacks were left-handed. Mm-hmm. So, like, you would see them like throwing uh, warm-up passes or whatever, like for timeouts, and Brock Purdy would be the only one throwing right-handed. <laughs> it was just like I think our receivers didn't know what to do sometimes because the spiral's different. Yeah, I mean, I bet they're probably one of the only quarterback rooms in the country with multiple lefties, I feel like. That'll be a that'll be a good game, hopefully deciding who goes to the Big 12 title, 11-26. Or we can just both be undefeated going into it, you know? And then we'll we'll just see you there afterwards. We'll, <laughs> we'll win that game, and then the, we'll split that game, and then we'll split the Big 12 title game, and then we'll both – lose out on the playoff to two sec teams <laughs> yeah yeah exactly just cruel how they always do schools like us seems like exactly what's gonna happen all right let's do some like five rapid fire questions and then we'll all get right it. let's get it so what do you think is the most annoying texas school um most annoying school overall baylor most annoying fan base texas baylor okay okay that's a tough one because because you got like some rivalries down there. My hatred lies with Baylor. It's just pure hatred there. Mm, mm. But with UT, their fan base just. Are you guys gonna? Are you guys? Is TCU and Baylor gonna argue over who's gonna have the the holy war against uh, BYU? I don't. I don't, I think we have more history though with BYU coming from the Mountain right. West with them. Yeah. yeah. I think we take the claim on that one. But honestly, I'm I'm not gonna argue either way. I think. A rivalry, a slight rivalry will develop with BYU just because of our history with them. But yeah, that's just another reason to be annoyed with them. You know what? This is defeating the purpose of rapid fire because we're talking for a while afterwards. But a thing that I realized uh, last year is like, I think every conference kind of has their like, like their fans kind of have their characters and stuff. I think the Big 12 is the crazy conference. I I don't disagree. Yeah, I think think they're pretty strong. We're the crazy conference, and we added a few crazy teams. Oh, especially like UCF, just self-appointing themselves national champions and making rings. They yeah. Are, they are, like, more defensive, uh, that national championship, than, like, like I was going through for a podcast a few weeks ago, going through all the national champions, like, the last 50 years and stuff. And it was, like, like – remember like everyone will go back and they'll talk about like the Nick Saban year at LSU and they'll be like, Oh, Nick Saban won the national championship. The weird thing about that is that that was like one of the same years where USC went undefeated and did their thing. Mm -hmm. So it's like, who was actually a national champion there? Who knows? But like, I I feel like UCF fans are more defended over their national championship that year where their coach left like 20. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's their claim to fame. That's all they have, you know. What's the most annoying non-Texas Big 12 school? That one's tough. I don't really have much 
animosity. I would say non-Texas, I'd have to go Oklahoma. Mm. Mostly annoying because of their success. What about new Big 12 then? Of the four new Big 12, I guess I would have to say UCF just because kind of the reasons we just talked about, you know, like self-appointing themselves national champions because TCU, we've been the little guys too, okay? we When we won the Rose Bowl, you didn't see us making rings and posting it all over social media. We were humble about it. We won our bowl game and we took the win. We didn't claim national titles. So, yeah, I could, I could say that's somewhat annoying, yeah. My money was on West Virginia. I thought you were going to say West Virginia. That, that would have been my answer, honestly, probably. That was, it was close between them and Oklahoma. Hmm. So what was, uh, I don't even know if this is going to be constituted as like a rapid fire. What would you say like was the, like your favorite moment of the Gary Patterson era? Oh, without a doubt, winning the Rose Bowl. Rose Bowl. It was, that was just Red, program Red. defining. Yeah, that you talk to a TCU fan, they know exactly where they were that day. They know they can vividly picture the Tank Carter swat down. I, I remember where I was sitting in the stadium. I remember my walk home just getting stuck because I went to the game in Pasadena, getting stopped by fans on the street that literally would just go, dude, we just won the Rose Bowl. And I'm like, yeah, let's go. So that was it. That was the reason we got into the Big 12 probably that put us on the map as a respected football program. And uh, I'm just getting goosebumps thinking about it. I did this on the last podcast. Uh, I figured I'd try it again this time. I picked three bowl games that TCU did play in that are actually real, and then I put in one fake one. Your job is to point out the fake one. All right. I did not look this up, by the way. Okay, thanks. Because I saw there was instructions like a surprise, don't look it up. So this is just off the dome. So we got four bowls here. The Houston Bowl the Dallas Bowl, the Fort Worth Bowl, or the Texas Bowl? That TCU has played in. I know we've played in the Houston Bowl. I know we've played in the Texas Bowl for sure. I think it's the Dallas Bowl. That's the fake one? Yeah, that's the fake one. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, all right. The Fort Worth Bowl is real. That was the one I looked at. I'm like, what is that? Yeah, I only know that one's real because I have the same reaction. I'm like, that's just a weird, I don't know, it's a weird bowl, like Fort Worth Bowl, whatever. But all right, that makes I'm glad I got that. All right. Good. Uh, Ryan, do you want to tell us uh, where we can look at your stuff, watch your stuff, and uh, we'll get out of here? Oh, yeah, uh, definitely. So if you guys want to check out Frogs of War, we are affiliated with SB Nation. So you guys just go to frogswar.com. You can find all of our articles on there. Right now we have a, a – 2021 2022 recap going of every sport uh, on TCU's campus. So be sure to go check that out. We have a podcast as well, Frogs War Podcast on Spotify, Apple, wherever you guys get your stuff. And yeah, I really appreciate you having me, James. Awesome. Good time, you, man. All righty. Okay, that's going to do it for the podcast today. Thanks again to Ryan Bunnell. Thanks again to you, the listener, for tuning in. Make sure you go follow Ryan and me on social media uh, for all podcast updates, news, information, and 
Stay tuned to the podcast feed. We'll probably be back next week with at least two podcasts talking more college sports from around the country. And make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed. Probably when we start getting in July and August, closer to the season, we'll start having back on guests where we talk more about like previews of the entire you know conference specifically. We'll do gambling stuff. We'll do maybe do some like coach rankings or stuff like that. Uh, I've got a f- bunch of stuff planned for the next few months here on this feed. We are going to be putting out content multiple times a week, or at least that's my goal. Uh, coming up for the rest of the summer and heading into the fall. Again, thank you guys so much for listening. I will see you next time.